Hi friend, Sharice here, and today we see Troy go through all five stages of grief. We discover that horses run into burning barns, and we ask the question, why the F did it take Troy four hours to walk from the ready room to the observation lounge? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking season four, episode 10, The Loss. This episode was written by Alan J. Aldar and Vanessa Green and directed by Chip Chalmers. Sharice, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Traveling through deep space, the Enterprise stops to investigate an odd phenomenon of phantom sensor readings. Deanna Troy experiences pain and loses consciousness as her empathic abilities suddenly cease to work. The crew discovers that they cannot resume course as the Enterprise is caught in a group of two-dimensional life forms. And without her powers, Troy suffers a tremendous sense of loss and goes through several of the classic psychological stages, including denial, fear, and anger. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, I feel like that was maybe the whole episode. I just gave you the whole episode That right was there. literally the whole episode. <laughs> I was like, maybe she's not going to talk about the life forms. Oh, there it is. Well, Okay. Um, the only other thing probably in this episode that we didn't mention was the, the, the cosmic string which was like the life threatening moment in this episode. But, um, so my initial thoughts on this was, I usually skip this one because it's a Troy heavy episode and she is my least favorite crew member. Mm. Um, not, you know, not the actress's fault, but I'm going to blame the writers. (laughs) I'm like, the way they wrote this character, I just don't, she's my least favorite character. So whenever I see a Troy heavy episode, I'm like, next, next. Nope, no, no, mm-hmm. no. Don't need that mm-hmm. one. So I haven't seen this episode in forever. I didn't know what it was about, except for it was about Troy. So I was like, you know, but I know you were excited, Andrea, about listening, about watching this one. So I thought, yeah, I'll give it a chance because I also skipped the episode with, um, with Beverly. Really from a couple remember weeks me. Ago. Yeah. I always skip that one as well. And I actually really liked that. It was a fun little mystery. So I was like, maybe this is going to surprise me. And I'm actually going to be like, oh man, this episode's really good. That's not what happened though. Oh no. <laughs> no, but that was my, that was my initial, those are my initial thoughts. I was like, okay, like I'm totally going to give this Troy episode a chance. Okay. See our happened. listeners are listening to us, you know, as a podcast, so they can't see your face, but guys, let me just fill you in. Sharice was like smiling the whole time. And then her face got dead serious. And she's like, but that's not what happened. <laughs> was actually, yeah, you were like smiling. And suddenly it was like angry face. <laughs> angry face. That's my regular face. But what were, what were your initial thoughts as this episode was kind of starting? Um, I usually side with you on the Troy thing where I'm like, it's a Troy episode. It's not really my favorite, but this is honestly the first place in TNG that I actively like Troy. It's mm-hmm. the first time I actively like her. I actively disliked her, as many of you will remember. And then I actively, passively just like accepted that she was there. <laughs> she was just sort of like a houseplant. Like, you're there, but like, mm. this episode, I really like her a lot. And there's a couple of thoughts that I had about this episode that I want to share. Um, and one that like I got actually um, doing some research. Um, Rick Berman, who was one of the main showrunners or producers, wrote... And I got this from my book, Captain's Logs. Um, He said, quote, I pushed for this episode a lot. It was fascinating to me that someone would lose one of their senses and be unable to explain it to others because they didn't have it in the first place. If you were the only sighted person in a colony of blind people and suddenly lost your vision and they all said, so what? Like, this is what this episode was. 
And I was like, oh, that's really, really interesting because there's nobody else that's nobody else on the ship is an empath. Mm -hmm. So they're all like, well, this is what our regular life is like. And we get along just fine. But yeah, you're right. Like it's, it's trying to explain to a person who was born blind, how important it is for you or how devastating it might be to lose, you know, have your vision and then lose it. Mm -hmm. Where they're like, oh, this is just what my regular life is like. I like this episode also because we have some conflict between characters. Like Troy loses her shit on Beverly and screams at her. And on Riker and and on on everyone. On everyone. And and I felt for her because I was like, yeah, I would feel the same way. And also as an outsider, I'm like, I see how you felt that way. And also that was wildly uncool to talk to these people like that. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, we're kind of on both sides. It's like, we we understand why Troy is feeling this way, but we also get like, it's not Beverly's fault that this has happened to her. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know how Jean was always like, no conflict, no conflict. Mm -hmm. I loved that we had like, like, this is what real psychological like progression through a loss is like. And I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt as I was watching this episode, I kind of felt like, wow, I know why Andrea liked this because, and this is not an insult, but you're like Troy, not in the ways of being like a, you know, kind of an airheaded plant on the side of the road, but <laughs> in the sense that you are very um, emotionally intelligent and, and I won't go as far as saying empathic because I'm not woo woo like that, but you're very emotionally intelligent. Like you're very aware of people's emotions, much more so than, than the average person, I think. Oh, thank so you. as you're welcome. So as I was watching, I was like, I can see why Andrea would resonate with this because this is kind of Andrea. Like this episode <laughs> is kind of all about Andrea and like her journey through life and other people being like, Aww. what's your problem? And you being like, don't you see what, like there's emotions here. And people are like, no, no, no emotions <laughs> for me. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. No emotions whatsoever. <laughs> I feel like you're describing my current life right now. (laughs) I'm describing our friendship. I'm describing like you being like, I have emotions and me being like, what are those? Um, (laughs) Describe them to me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I I could, I could see why you would like this episode and I could also see why I wouldn't, right? Because it's something I don't resonate with. It's something that doesn't naturally click for me. It's something that I don't walk through my life feeling my way through situations and people. Mm -hmm. I use like, you know, logic more Mm -hmm. than emotions um, not because it's better or worse, but just because it's easier for me. It's like, a, it's a lot safer and more natural for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally was thinking that though, as I was watching, I was like, yeah, I could see why Andrea would be like, oh man, like I feel for Troy and I didn't feel for Troy. Like I wanted to feel for Troy, but I didn't because I was just like, what's her problem? Like, I know she was sad and going through grief, but I was just like, she's just being such a dick. And I'm like this poor exactly. woman. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, girl, maybe you just need to be in your quarters for a minute. Cause like. <laughs> You don't need to be going anywhere on this ship right now. I'm like, I need a chocolate sundae right now. (laughs) See, I would say, I mean, I don't think I'm an empath because that's not an actual thing, but I will say, I think I'm very, very empathetic towards people um, Mm -hmm. and really try to um, see where the other person is coming from. Um, and I'm, I think that that's something I'm really good at. Although mm-hmm. if you listen to this podcast a lot, that might be surprising to you. Cause I'm usually such an <laughs> asshole about so many of these characters. Where I'm like, what a dick, but actually in my real life away from the microphone, I'm actually a very sweet person. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am exactly the way I sound. On the <laughs> you are, you know what? You are dyed in the wool through and through the way you are. This is just a great outlet for me to like bitch and complain about some, yeah. you know, Aldebaran wine, not being the right temperature or whatever the hell we're complaining about. Anyway. All right. Let's jump into this episode. So this is one of the, this is one of the first times that we actually see counselor Troy, not just being like the captain's private counselor, but like the mm-hmm. ship's counselor. I think this is only the second time we see her office, right? The first time was with Barclay. So. Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. And actually, I 
I really, really loved this opening scene because Deanna is just being a very empathetic counselor. And she's talking to this woman, Ensign Brooks, whose husband died in some sort of accident um, just a few months ago. And this woman is in complete denial. She's like the happiest denial ever. Oh my God. Well, that's what denial is. Isn't it a wonderful place to be? Don't we wish we could live there? I mean, she hasn't missed an hour of her duties. Her language skills are improving. She's volunteered more hours than ever at the nursery. And she's like, I guess I'm just better at it than others. Like better at dealing with grief. Yeah. Yes. I'm just like, I'm just so great at it. Yeah. She's like, some of us may not be dealing with it at all, as a matter of fact. And dealing with great loss can be extremely painful and not feeling it and being stuck in denial creates so much more pain in the future because you cannot live in denial forever. So at some point it's going to hit come you rushing in. Mm-hmm. It's going to. And I thought, Oh my God, this is such a great and gentle way. Like counselor Troy, I think she is a great ship's counselor in this instance where she's very gently sort of like leading this woman to be like, so are you dealing mm-hmm. with your pain? Mm-hmm. You know, this woman is like, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she kind of she kind of breaks. She kind of eventually like the floodgates open and she just like loses it mm-hmm. um, in, in grief and sadness. And she's just like, you know what? I, I woke up for the first time. I think her husband's birthday was like yesterday or something like that. I think it was today. It was supposed to be today was going to be his 30th birthday, which I was yeah. like 38. Oh my God. That's so young. It's so young. And so she was just like, I find when I woke up, I realized that he wasn't, he wasn't there for the first time since the, since the accident, since he died, it was like, suddenly she realized he wasn't there, which is why she was able to cope all this other time is because she could just pretend he's he's away on a trip or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, I looked around to find any of his belongings. And I remembered that the day after he died, I told people to come and like take all of his stuff away. And it was just like, oh, like that. You know, that's really hard. My my father passed away when I was a kid and getting rid of someone's stuff is like the that's just like it's really it's, hard. It's when you are, admi- you have to admit to the world. Something has changed when you get yeah. rid of somebody's stuff um, yeah. who's passed away. Like that's, that's the admission of, I know this happened. I acknowledge this happened and I'm taking action on it. But mm-hmm. if you just leave it there, or if you make it a shrine or something like that, you can pretend like it never happened. And so for her to be so quick to be like, just get rid of all of it was like, I get that. And also it sucks that now all that stuff is gone and she can't yes. have any of it. And then Troy sneaky, sneaky has kept like a music box from him then their marriage their mm-hmm. life together when did she do this how did she do this why did she know it? i don't know but i thought that was just a brilliant thing to do and something a good counselor would understand a good therapist would understand and i get the inclination to like remove all of his things because looking at mm-hmm. you know a partner who's missing or or has died or something looking at their things is really triggering and painful. So it's like, I'm just going to clean house and get rid of all of his things. But then you're doing that at an emotional time. Um, and like a deeply emotional time in your life is no time to be making like big decisions or big changes because you're going to feel differently and you could very well, well feel differently later on. So now it's five months later. And she's like, I looked around for any sign that he had even been here at all. And there was nothing. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I felt so bad for Edson Brooks and just so lovely for counselor Troy as the movers are like moving shit out. You know, Mm -hmm. she's like, hold on, let me just take one or two items and I'll give this back to her when like, it feels like the time is right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved that. And it it was just really, really sweet. And I actually thought that would have been a good place to do the commercial break. Yes. 
Except that we didn't quite get that. So no, now we're on the bridge and Worf is like, Captain, sensors detect a large field of something. Wait, now it's gone. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that's weird. And then Data's like, oh, sensors have detected. Oh, now it's gone again. <laughs> and so they're like, it's there. It's gone. It's there. It's gone. And if mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this episode before, I'd be like, is it a Q thing? Like, it, what what is going that on? That is literally what I thought. Oh, although really? I knew, oh, although I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't a Q episode. But um, a little bit later after the commercial break, they get they get the ship actually gets stuck like it gets trapped. It can't move. And I literally was like, oh, no, is the Enterprise being kidnapped by Q Spacenet? Like, that's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> I'm so I glad. know it's not a Q episode. I was like, this feels like the only thing that can stop the ship <laughs> in space with nothing around is Q. I mean, I'm really glad that we are past the days of the space net for sure. But yeah, it did kind of feel like that. Now, the the bridge crew are like, we're detecting something. Now it's gone. We're detecting something. Now it's gone. And so now we flash back to Ensign Brooks is saying goodbye to Counselor Troy. And she's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. And I went, daily therapy sessions? Sign me up. Like, if I'm lucky, I can afford my therapist once a week. And that's if I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as they're saying goodbye, Troy is like grasping her head in pain. And as... Ensign Brooks walks off. I mean, Troy is like writhing in pain and ends up like collapsing and losing consciousness. And then we cut to credit. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, what has happened? And there's this, this weird moment before Ensign Brooks leaves where she kind of, Troy kind of almost like she doesn't faint, but she kind of has this moment, like a little spell. And Ensign Brooks is like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And she's just like, oh yes, I'm just tired. And then as soon as she walks away and Troy goes into her back into her office, she like collapses to the ground in pain. And I just thought, Mm -hmm. why'd she lie about that? Yeah. Why was, what was medical emergency to counselor Troy's office? Boom. Or or even just saying, yeah, you know, my head did hurt that or something weird just happened. I don't know. It's just a Mm -hmm. phase, but whatever, like whatever her thing was, I just was like, why would she lie about that? It actually reminds me of my mom had bought me these um, really fuzzy slippers one year for Christmas and they were like the best. She bought me these really fuzzy slippers. And as soon as I put them on, the dog started like tearing them up because they're like, Ooh, fuzzy. Like this tastes good. Right. And I was like, ah. yeah. And I was like, Oh, let me move my slippers. And my mom was like, yeah, you know, the woman at the store told me to be careful if you have dogs because her dogs love to attack her fuzzy slippers. So she had asked me if I had dogs and I told her no. And I was like, but mom, you have like three dogs. Why did, <laughs> why did you tell her no? Why didn't you just say yes? Why didn't you just say yes? And she was like, because it's none of her business whether or not I have dogs. I was like, are you serious? Like, this I mean, is not a state secret. Like, it was a very of all, friendly. <laughs> seems like if you have dogs, you may want to think about getting these because dogs like going after these. Do you have dogs? Don't you worry about that. What? <laughs> so that's what this one felt like to me where she was just like, oh no, I'm just tired. It just felt like. I don't have dogs. It's not your business how I'm feeling. Like <laughs> you could just be like, yeah, a weird thing just happened. I'm sure it's nothing. I'll see you tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. anyways, that's just a point that stuck with me where I was like, what's the point of the lie? That was like the most useless lie. That but- really was. So we're back on the bridge and sensor diagnostics show that everything is normal. And they're like, okay, everything's cool. And by the way, the solution to this problem and what the problem is at all is so wonderful. It's Mm -hmm. such great sci-fi writing. Mm -hmm. Ah, So they're like, everything is cool. They attempt to make way back to Tilly Beta, which is where they were supposed to be going. And as Picard says, engage, the ship gets tossed all around and they're like, "Uh uh-oh. And something is actually now pulling the enterprise and they try Mm -hmm. to break free 
but they end up just basically like spinning their wheels and going nowhere. Like engines are going to overload if we don't shut down. So they're like, all right, just shut it down at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so they're stuck and it does kind of feel space netty where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, warp 9.9 engage. We're not moving at all. Shit. That's all we had. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the most. Yep. Impulse didn't work. Warp didn't work. Those are the only two things we can do. The only saucer separation, probably not going to do much. Like, (laughs) or one half. Actually, that probably would work, but only for half the ship. It would get away. The other half would be dragged down by the space wave. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I call it. (laughs) Yes. Um, Now, because the Enterprise has been rocked about, people have been sort of tossed around. And Deanna is feeling horrible. She's like, I'm so dizzy. I have this horrible pain. I lost consciousness for a little bit. So she comes over to Dr. Crusher, but Beverly's like, try to lie down and stay still. Like I'm actually, I'm getting like calls from all over the ship of like sprained ankles and all this stuff. Cause you know, the ship just got bopped all mm-hmm. over the place. Um, and this is where I was like, this is why you call for help when you need help. Not yeah. three minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you could have already been like in sick bay getting before treated. all this other stuff. And also yeah. She just said, like, I'm feeling really dizzy. So that's not a if in a triage situation, dizziness is not a stop everything and run to your your bedside situation. Yeah, that's not a level one. That's not a level one problem. Or have broken parts of their bodies. Like, yeah, that's gonna take precedence over like, I'm just feeling dizzy. So even the way she said it was like, oh, okay, well, you're feeling dizzy, you know, like lay down. Lie down. Yeah. I'll be there when I'm there. Like it's not, yeah. So I kind of also felt that too. Like if she was more scared than that. Um, maybe she should have, she should have said that, but maybe she wasn't more scared. Maybe she just felt like, oh, that was just weird. I was dizzy, like not a big deal. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Now at this point, Beverly is able to get to Troy, you know, after she's kind of triaged everything else. And she's like, I just had this, like, I, I can't really remember what happened. All of a sudden I was in pain and now I feel really dizzy and out of it. I just kind of feel super foggy. And Beverly's like, I don't know. I mean, the tricorder kind of looks like everything looks fine. And Troy starts staring at Beverly, like something is very wrong. And at that moment, I believe it's Riker who calls for a senior staff meeting to discuss like, you know, the situation that they find themselves in with the ship. And Beverly's like, do you need help walking? Like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Are are you feeling up to it? Do you not want to go? She's like, yeah, yeah. I feel up to it. Like I'm I'm okay. Let's go. go. Yeah. And Troy is realizing in this meeting that she's like, something is very wrong. And Picard says, can you, is there a sentience out there? Can you sense anything kind of going out there? And she's like, nothing. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't feel anything like nothing. And Picard's like, it's okay. Like there may not be anything to feel, mm-hmm. but that's when she finally is like, no, you don't understand. I don't feel any of you not out there and not in here. I can't sense anything. Like my empathic abilities are gone. And that is fucking terrifying. Can you imagine suddenly like your sense of hearing or your eyesight, like just disappearing on you out of the blue. And you're like, Oh my God, I wasn't planning on this at all. Yeah. A friend of mine had that happen a few months ago where he, um, he had some blood clots develop in his eyes suddenly, <gasps> oh, but then, but then they went away pretty quickly, like within a couple of days, I guess. So it wasn't like permanent. I lost, but I mean, or permanent eyesight loss, but he, it was sudden, right. It was kind of like burst blood vessel situation. So it was, it was like, you know, he's just so kind is of he like temporarily blind. He was temporarily blinded. Oh he my totally God. Couldn't see at all. I think it was only one eye that was completely like blocked um, for a day. And then it got lighter and lighter and lighter. And, and then now he can see, and he just has like the little floaties in his eyes or whatever, which most people have anyways. Um, 
But that part where he's just like going about his day and then boom, couldn't see. Holy like, crap. Exactly. And he's he went from like doctor to doctor from hospital to hospital. Be like, I can't see. I can't see. Like, I don't know what's going on. And that is that is definitely scary. Thankfully for him, it was not some congenital thing or anything like that. It was temporary. But even being temporary, I can imagine that that would be really scary and um, just so different. It's just so different. It's not mm-hmm. like it's not like, um, I, you know, my car got in an accident. I'm going to go get it buffed out. It's not like a dent that you can fix. It's like something yeah. that you depend on. You rely on every yes. moment of every day yep. that you no longer have access to. And I think it would be very disorienting. Yes, I, I agree with you. Um completely on that. Um, now Beverly is able to take her to sick bay and she is able to run some deeper scans and says that it looks like there is some brain damage. Um, you're like neural synapses seem to be like blocked in some way. Um, and like, you may not regain your, you know, empathic abilities. Um, and this is a Imzadi, like, I love this kind of stuff where like Troy is having a very difficult time and Will really comes to like support her and, mm-hmm. and like check with her and just give her some extra love, which she definitely needs right now. And she ends up biting his head off a little bit. And he's like, I'm just here to offer help and support and check in on you. And I noticed that this happens a lot when people offer help to someone who either can't face their problems or won't face their problems or, mm-hmm. or, or like wish to kind of stay in the state of denial mm-hmm. where it's like, but I'm just trying to help. And I'm sorry if like, I'm hurting your feelings. And she's like, I don't need you. And like, poor Will was like, mm-hmm. I, what did, oh, so, and I understand why she felt the way she did. Cause she's like, my abilities may come back or they may not life goes on all adapt, which is true. She would, but mm-hmm. Even if you logically know that that's the sequence of events that will take place, that doesn't mean that you're okay with it because she never wanted her empathic abilities to leave her. Yeah. And then also when she's when Beverly is kind of scanning her and talking to her, um, Troy's like, okay, there's been brain damage, but neurons can regrow. So maybe the damage will be repaired. Great. So it'll just, you know, brain betazoid brains are very resilient. They can heal themselves. It's going to be totally fine. And Beverly mentions like, yes, but you're also half human. So we don't know if how that's going to actually affect Mm -hmm. your brain's development or healing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't want to give you false hope. And Troy just kind of snaps at her and is like, it's just hope, Beverly. It's not false. You know, like, like like you're trying to take all of my hope away altogether, which I thought was a good point that you can have hope without it being false hope. Like that is a good point. And at the same time, it was so clear that she was in denial because Uh there was no emotional response. She wasn't like, at that moment, she wasn't like, oh my gosh, like this is really for however long this lasts, this is going to be so it's different. Happening. And this is really, yeah, it was just like, well, it'll just come back. My brain will just heal and everything will be fine. Yeah. And it's like, mm, maybe, but maybe not. So, and, and Beverly even says, normally I would tell you to go talk to counselor Troy. That's, that would be my, my response to you because this is kind of a, a big moment. And Troy's just like, nope, nope, I'll be fine. Even, even that, like, I'm not going to need any emotional support. I'm going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And then when, as you said, when Riker comes to visit her later in her quarters, she totally bites his head off and it's just like, get out of my life. I don't need, I don't need you or anything and <laughs> all this stuff. And, and I've seen that a lot. Like when my dad passed away, which I just mentioned, that was exactly my mom's reaction to my aunt who came down to help sure. clean up, you know, take all the stuff out, of all course. that stuff, Of course, um, which I didn't remember because I was in my own world of grief. But my aunt told me recently, like, yeah, that's that's exactly what your mom did to me. She told me, get out of here. I don't need you. I don't need any help from you. Blah, 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 blah. And it's Mm -hmm. like that is the opposite of the truth. Yeah, that is the exact opposite of what we need right now. 
And it's, and you can't really knock that sense into somebody who is in denial. Like denial is its own cloud Mm -hmm. that nobody can be shaken out of. It's like the one thing you cannot convince somebody out of, you know? Yeah. Um, It's it's kind of like a fuse, right? You just have to wait for it to burn out. However long that fuse is, there's no shortcut, short changing. Yeah. No, absolutely. There is, there's no shortcut out of denial and don't, I wish there were. Cause like, mm-hmm. then you could face like your problems that you're facing, like more honestly and like kind of upfront wise, like, but this is just like, she's just in denial and it's just going to last as long as it's going to last. Now, meanwhile, data and Jordy are configuring the sensors to discover that they are being pulled in the wake of these two dimensional life forms, which I think is such a freaking cool concept. Mm-hmm. They are essentially being dragged along on this wake. That's only like the, the, like as wide as a sheet of paper. That's mm-hmm. why the sensors were not able to detect it. And then they detected it and then it went away because if you're looking right along its axis, it disappears. But then if you look just a little bit like five degrees up from its axis, then you see it again and they're being totally pulled and they're like, okay, maybe we can do this like forced warp jump to try to break free. Um, you know, let's maybe try to like jump to warp and maybe that'll kind of disrupt it enough and we can get out of it. And Jordy just very offhand says, it's too bad. We can't tell if they're sentient or not. And Troy is like, what is that supposed to mean? I'm doing the best that I can. I was like, Oh girl, Mm-hmm. I don't think you're in a position to be coming to like work meetings right now. Seriously. Cause by the way, nobody was even talking about you or thinking about you. Yes. So you're way too sensitive to but be this in this is, room right this now. Is, this is exactly what this is though, where it's like, she thinks that she's okay to work and she's not. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that position, you make everything about you when it's really not. So Troy, mm-hmm. I love you girl in this episode, but nobody was talking about you. And I love that Picard was like, When she said, I'm doing the best I can, Picard said, nobody suggested otherwise. And then she like gets up and storms out. Like Mm -hmm. Picard was like, counselor, can I see? And she's like, bam, 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 bam. She's stomping out. This is the episode of of stomping because Troy is Troy like masters her, her model stomp walk for sure in this episode. Cause she does it every other scene. Um, Just (laughs) just parking on this two-dimensional organism for a second what an interesting concept i love the idea of the so two-dimensional cool. organism in 3d space so cool yeah yeah that's like somehow the enterprise got caught inside of this living wave so they're getting dragged along and it's just so interesting there was actually an episode of futurama where they end up going to a two-dimensional world um and but that it looks more like a cartoon where they're in like, I mean, it is a cartoon. Futurama is a cartoon. But when I was going to say, the, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but when they go into the two-dimensional world, it's more like a like a comic book, but drawn by like oh, a five-year-old. I see. Okay. Yeah, it's all flat. It's all flat. And it's really funny because as they're trying to escape, they can't walk past each other because there's no dimensions or where they can go around <laughs> each other. So they have to walk in a straight line. It's just <laughs> like, funny. it's really hilarious. But as I, as I was watching this, I was like, oh my gosh, I bet you the inspiration for that episode was this episode. Of this two-dimensional, <laughs> like- like running into two dimensional creatures in space or whatever. I just thought that was really, really interesting. And this right, this is right up there with the crystalline entity as far as something that's so we, it's just so unearthly mm-hmm. that I really appreciate the imagination going on with this, with this life form. I do think it's super cool too. And we haven't seen anything like this in Star Trek, like a two dimensional life form that is existing in a three dimensional universe. Like it's Mm -hmm. just such a really cool concept. I feel like somebody had to be tripping pretty hard on some magical (laughs) drugs to like come up with this concept, but you know what? I applaud the effort because it's such a neat concept. I Mm -hmm. never would have thought of that. Um, 
And yeah, it's imagine the ship is being dragged on a piece of paper, you know, on top of a piece of paper. And it's like, you Mm -hmm. can't break free from that piece of paper. And I was like, but have you guys tried turning left or up or down? (laughs) That's what I thought. I was like, it's a ship that can like Like move in 360 degrees, rotate 90 degrees downwards and just go down. But I think they're just sort of caught in it and there's really no movement. Yeah. Yeah. Or up. Yeah. I agree with you. I think they're caught in it. I think there is no movement. They can't go left or right or up or down. I think they're just being dragged along. Um, which is fascinating. And, and Picard's just kind of like, kind of throughout the episode, they're kind of like, oh, these, you know, this is interesting. Like maybe we should study them. You know, we should get a sci- some science team out here just to figure out what's going on with these creatures. Like they're kind of like, at this point, it's, it's, it's mildly interesting and like mildly annoying maybe because they're still trying to get away. Correct. Yeah. At this point, you're right. It's like, they're kind of like floating on a lazy river and it's like, okay, like you're just going through space. Like there's lots of time to sort of figure this out. Now, Troy goes stomping over to Beverly to figure out what happened. And she's like, Beverly, I can't do my job. I I, I have like patients I have to see and I have to be able to sense them. And, and Beverly's like, okay, I told you I would look into this. And I did. And it looks like for right now, there's like nothing I can do. And Troy really flies into a rage. And this is one of the few times we ever see two characters having interpersonal conflict um, going against the gene law, but Troy is like, you should have helped me faster. And like, if I, if it were me, like, I wouldn't have just left you pass out on the floor of your office while I was running around treating scraped knees and like storms off. And you know what? I, I, my, I have a, um, blended family, but whenever I see somebody stomping around like that, I, cause I am half Hispanic. I'm like, oh, there's, they're walking in Spanish. It's like, stop, 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 stop. (laughs) Just stomping away. And I was like, she stomps out of that meeting in Spanish and she stomps in and out of sick day in Spanish. Like Mm -hmm. she's got the heated attitude and poor Beverly is like, I, I understand that it's a stage of loss is anger, but poor Beverly is doing the best she can. And she didn't deserve it. And Troy had every right to feel angry and she's angry at the loss. She's not angry at Beverly having to treat other people first before Mm -hmm. coming to her. But like, and even if Beverly would have come first, it would have done absolutely nothing. It wouldn't have done anything anyway, but like, and then she would have still been mad at Beverly. She would have been like, well, you should have figured it out faster and you fixed it faster. It is creating, it is creating situations to be upset over so Mm -hmm. that you can justify being upset. And Mm -hmm. that's absolutely what Troy is doing. And I felt so Beverly's face was like, what just what happened? just happened and yeah. it's like she totally she totally ruined beverly's day i mean hopefully beverly was sure just did. like a professional and was like well you know she's going through some things and went on with her day but like imagine you're just sitting there doing your job like looking at cells picking up tissue cultures whatever and then someone blue walks liquid in your, red liquid yeah and someone walks in and then just like bites your head off and then storms out and now you're having a horrible day because mm-hmm. you feel totally like guilty or blamed or something. Yeah. And you weren't, you were just kind of like going about your day five minutes ago. And now you're feeling all these big emotions that someone literally came and just dropped them on you yeah. and then left. Yeah. Poor Beverly. She didn't, she didn't deserve any of that. That was pretty it, messed up, Troy. That's yeah. how we know all these things this is how we know you need to stay in your quarters for a little bit. You don't need you to need be exposing your out, girl, exposing all of that to anybody else. No. There is a, there's an Instagram, like there's an influencer on social media that I see from time to time. And she's usually like 
spewing a bunch of like positivity stuff. That's like really great. But one of the things she has said, and it became like such a catchphrase of her where she's like, have an amazing day. And if you can't have an amazing day, don't you dare go ruining it for anybody else. And I was like, yes, Troy, I'm seriously going at you for this. Like, I'm sorry you're having a rough day and don't take it out on anybody else. Don't go ruining anybody else's day Mm because you're having a shitty time. Well, she decides she needs a timeout and she goes to resign from her position as ship's counselor, which is like <laughs> she too far. A timeout. Yeah. <laughs> too, too far. And this is what happens though. When you're really mm-hmm. upset, you go into these drastic measures where you're like, I need, um, you know, I need an hour to cool down. And then when you get upset, yeah. you're like, I need 5,000 hours. And you're like, yeah. that's oh, when it's like, I'm moving, I'm moving to Tuscany to live in like some little villa and pick grapes <laughs> or something. You're like, um, maybe you just need a vacation. Like, I don't know if all that, like, no, no, let's I'm start, yeah, let's start with a week and then we'll see how we feel. Like, okay. Do you, do you speak the language? Like, I don't, I think we need to think about this a little bit more, <laughs> but right. When you're totally. in that situation where the grief is so overwhelming, you just want to get out of it mm-hmm. as fast as possible and Mm -hmm. drastic measures in our minds, it seems like that's, what's going to get us out of it. So she's just going to resign her place in Starfleet, leave her whole life behind and start over as a question mark. We don't have a plan. There's no plan here. Is she going to a star base? Does she, does she realize the ship's being sucked into like a cosmic string or whatever? Like she's, there's no plan here. She's just like, I don't like where, what's going on with me. So I quit. Yes. So she absolutely is like, I don't like the situation I'm in. So I'm going to leave the entire situation. And you're like, except that your problems are going to follow you, girl. Like your empathic abilities aren't coming back if you just like quit being counselor. And Troy is really trying to keep it together with Picard. He's like, you know, when somebody loses one sense, the other senses become stronger to compensate. And she's like, she basically very politely is like, well, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you're just Mm -hmm. trying to give me platitudes to make me feel better and just accept what I'm saying that I'm leaving. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I had a, I I had a friend in the the Academy who who lost his leg in a, in a, in a silly putty accident. And, and like, Mm -hmm. she's like, stop, stop. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I want to leave. So Will of course is very tuned into her. So he comes to see her because obviously Picard is like, Will, come here. Guess what? Right. So he goes to see her. And she really does break down with him. And it's nice to see her just being sad because anger is sadness plus the ability to like take action, right? Where sadness is just, I'm just sad. There's nothing for me to do about it than just to be sad. Mm -hmm. And she really breaks down. And at some point he's like, you know, I think what you're really upset about is that now you're on equal footing with other humans. You always had this like empathic ability over me in our relationship and over mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. And like, now you're on the same footing. Now you have to run on like instinct and your gut feeling. And you have to take what I'm saying at face value. And you mm-hmm. can't be like searching for a deeper meaning in all of this. And he's like, I think there was always something a little too aristocratic about your beta Z heritage. I think that's, what's really upsetting you. Um, and I was like, well, maybe a little too soon, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. But I think everything he said was true. And I think, I think it, yeah, I think it was too soon. And I think it was a bit 
a bit much because he kept going. I think he could have just stopped with the, like, I think it's a control issue. That could have been like that subtle touch, I think would be plenty right now for her to be like, no, it's not really. How dare you? And for her to be like, well, maybe it is a little bit. Like, I think that would have been enough, but he, he went to like, and then also you're so snobby and you don't like your half human side and da, 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 da. And the other thing about you, it's like, all right, all right, all right. Like that blue dress mu- does make your butt look big. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Will, yeah. Too much, too much, too soon. But in, but in any case, she did need to hear that. And I actually, I didn't think about that. But when he said it, I was like, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's losing an ability she's used her whole life. So it's bigger than that. But also part of it is like, yeah, now she doesn't have control over the situation. She doesn't have a secret little edge. She has to take what people say at face value. And if you had the ability to know if people are lying to you or not, and now you don't, that is a huge loss of control. That's a huge, I mean, that's her big thing that she was used for all of season one was like our, in negotiations, are our enemies lying or not? That's a huge like tool in her tool belt to just not have. And for people to just say something to her and she doesn't know if they're telling the truth or not, you know, like the rest of us, but for her to be in that situation, that is a huge loss of power. That is, of course it is. It's like, it's like having a lie detector test strapped to people that you talk to all day long. And then suddenly the lie detector test is gone and you're like, well, shit, now I can't be for sure that you're not lying. It's like, yeah, like the rest of us. Um, And I do have to say this time, because I actually made a point to put this in my notes is that her tears in this scene with Riker are totally appropriate in this situation. Yes. Like this is the time if you, you know, if you're listening and you remember season one, Troy, she cried almost every single episode for any reason. Yeah. Like the, the literally anything. Yeah. Like the stars are so beautiful. <laughs> There's no more chocolate ice cream, <laughs> like anything, anything. <laughs> And it was just like, girl, like everything's not that dramatic. Mm-hmm. But here, this this scene where she's boohoo crying is the exact appropriate time for her to cry. Her tears fit here so perfectly. Like, yes, the fact that she didn't cry until this point was the distressing part. You're kind of like, when is she going to actually be sad about this loss? And then when I she mean, breaks down, you're like, OK, she's human. Was, there we this go. Was season one, if this episode was in season one, Ensign Brooks would have been talking about what a great job she's doing, not dealing with her grief. And Counselor Troy would have been like biting her pillow and crying, you know, just like ah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. This is not the time. this. You're right. This is absolutely when one it's expected to be crying. Like, right. And if she would have cried this whole episode long, I would have been like, yep. Yeah. And this is why I actively like her because this woman is dealing with a real loss. Now I will say uh, Marina Sirtis, who plays counselor Troy has said that she has gotten so much feedback about this episode from um, members of uh, the disabled community for any disability where they're like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, we're feeling like we're represented even in a short span here. And it was actually sort of, the idea was thrown about in the writer's room to make this um, loss of uh, her, um, her empathic abilities permanent. Mm-hmm. So she would have to like Ooh. learn to like really le- develop without them, um, which I was like, God, that would have been really interesting. But yeah, she said that like disabled people have come up to her left and right to say like this episode just made them feel like seen and heard. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I think that that's really lovely. Um, now Riker has to take a break from bashing Troy <laughs> her face because they're going to try this controlled warp jump and they try it and it doesn't move at all. But data did pick up that during the jump attempt, the life form showed like a very slight differentiation in its pattern, but then it returned back to normal almost immediately. So Picard is like, listen, we need, we need to like break out of this. So like follow up on that lead and kind of look into it and let me know. Yeah. And use the universal translator. Maybe there's some way we can communicate with them with movement, light beams, something, anything, anything. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then when, you know, Sharice, when you really want to be left alone, the one place you go is to 10 forward to have a drink. Mm-hmm. And kind that's of where everybody to- goes who wants to be left alone. Yeah. That's that's exactly what we see when Ensign Rowe <laughs> joins the joins the crew in a couple seasons. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I hate people, I hate everybody, I hate everything. So I'm going to 10 forward where there's yeah. always tons and of people. And Diamond's like, you know, you could just use your own replicator to like have a cup of tea in yep. your quarters or anything. Yeah. Seriously, anything. Which is why Guinan's always like, if you're here, you clearly don't want to be alone. You want yes. me to come over and sit and chat with you. Which is what she does. And Guinan has a wonderful way of getting to the point mm-hmm. where she's like, I heard that you're resigning and I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm going to talk to Captain Picard. And Troy's like, wait, why? She's like, well, because you're leaving. So there's an opening for a ship's counselor. And Guinan kind of goes, has that like roundabout way for Troy to recognize like, yeah, it's not just your empathic abilities. That's what makes you a counselor. Like most, and Picard does say this earlier in the episode, most most captains have human ship's counselors like that just rely on like their training and their instinct. Like you've had a leg up this whole time, but, but you still have lots of skills. And yes. she was not hearing that. She was like, I'm disabled and you don't know what you're talking about and let me out of here. Yeah. So he was not, she, <laughs> she almost airlocked herself. She yes, really did. She really did. But Guinan had such a, it, and there's been time when she was able to cry with Riker. So she's in a different spot emotionally. And then Guinan has her Guinan touch to be like, yeah, you know, I think I would make an amazing ship's counselor, which by the way, she would and is. So yes, yes I think and she's, yes. I, I mean, I think Troy is act- actively, I actively think that she's really great at this point, but man, I still think Guinan's better. <laughs> I do too. And that's okay. We can have more than one really talented counselor on board. There's like, over a thousand people on this ship. Can't we have two great counselors? Right. We apparently have more than one doctor, which is great. So I think we could have more than one counselor. They're still um, searching for Dr. Hill and Dr. Selar. They're nowhere to be found. I know, <laughs> but we love Dr. Selar. Yeah. So, so she's having this whole conversation and basically Guinan reverse psychologies her yep. into arguing why actually Troy is such a great counselor. And she's like, but there's this, but there's that, but there's that. And there's this. And then she goes, I know what you're doing. And Guinan's mm-hmm. like, what am I doing? And she's like, you're just trying to you're trying to trick me into thinking that I can still be that counselor. You're trying to psychology me. Yeah. And and Guinan's like, did I give you any indication of that? Did, did my words at all give you the idea that I'm not being 100% sincere? And she's like, well, no, but I can just tell, I can just tell from, from my instinct. I can just tell. She's like, Oh, interesting instinct. Huh? And you're just like, Oh, Guinan's so great. It's so great. Okay. Maybe I'll unquit. Yeah. Let me beam over. Let me psych to psych transport to the ready room and, and rescind my resignation offer. Yeah. So what an awkward position for Picard to be in too. Does he accept her resignation because she's very vehement about accepting it? Does he put it on pause for a little bit until she comes back to her senses? Like, I mean, right now they're, they have other fish to fry, but just thinking about that situation where you've got a, a person who you work with, who is in terrible grief and wants to make this big change. Yeah. How do you support them best? Do you just let them go? Do you not let them go? Do you try to fight them on it? Do you like, what do you do? I think it's a really, a really difficult position to be in. And that's when it sucks to be a leader moments like that. I think, yeah, I think it really does. Now, 
things start to really ratchet up in this episode because, you know, they were playing Christopher Cross's sailing, you know, as they were just drifting along on this two-dimensional being. Mm -hmm. However, now sensors indicate that the life form seems to be drifting toward this cosmic string fragment, which is this beautiful purple smoky ribbon on the, on the view screen. Um, The thing that bothers me about this is Riker says, a cosmic string fragment has the gravitational force of a black hole, but it's only as wide as a proton. But that ribbon is like 12 enterprises wide. It's so effing big. And I'm like, I get for the visual, for the yeah. audience to see that. But I was like, you didn't need to make it, you didn't need to tell us it was super thin mm-hmm. because you can clearly see it's not. But it's basically like moth to a flame. Like these beings are just drifting towards it. And because it has the gravitational force of a black hole, the enterprise is going to just be crushed in like mm-hmm. seven hours. So now we have a countdown. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree when he said that I was like, wait, I, like, I almost wonder why did I was like, didn't he just say it was like a micron thick? You yeah. can't see that. This thing is like, <laughs> yeah, this thing is bigger than the enterprise. It's, yeah. it's like wider and longer than the enterprise. And it's taller than the enterprise. It's like seven enterprises tall. Yeah. So I think <laughs> we can still call it, it could be that big and we can still call it a string. Yeah. on the cosmic it's a scale up, of things because it's a it's a made-up phrase anyway so it doesn't yeah, even matter for one, it's made up but for two the space the scale of space the scale of the galaxy you could have a big giant thing in space and still call it relatively a string mm-hmm. compared to all of space so mm-hmm. i feel like they didn't need to to like go into the detail of describing the thickness of an actual string like on earth like a piece of thread mm-hmm. because that visual didn't match at all and didn't make yes. any sense but i thought like, wow, a cosmic string. Like what a cool idea. Yes. Two dimensional this- beings and cosmic strings. This is, this is like amazing science in this science like fiction. A, this is a fun sci-fi episode. And I was like, this is super neat, except the deathy part that makes the string less fun, but like so cool. <laughs> like we never have heard of this before. I don't think we ever hear yep. about it again. So I, I really like that. No, but we do see quantum filaments, which sound very, very similar, but Mm. also, you know, A plus to the writers, by the way, for this episode. I mean, not only do you have Troy being actually interesting for once, but you've got this really great sci-fi as well. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I will agree with that. Troy has a lot of depth in this episode. She really does. She's a real person and not just like a Barbie. Um, Now, of course they're like, oh shit, we're all going to be crushed in just a couple of hours. So like options, options. And they decide to fire and torpedoes. Worf says, shoot them. Yeah. That's his first option. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, Worf? Way to stick to your guns because this has not changed since season one back with Yar. You know, yep. Q pops up on the bridge and they're like, shoot him. Shoot it. <laughs> it's like always, you, know, you see the board, shoot him. And like, totally. the chief of security for a reason. So when he's like, I think we should just shoot him, you know, and Picard's <laughs> like, well, should we destroy this unique life form just, you know, to save ourselves? Is there, is there another way, maybe a win-win solution where no yes. one has to get, you know, get killed? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, um, I guess we can, I guess we can fire torpedoes in front of it and see if it disrupts them. Yeah. It's like, I think we should just, we should just shoot them in the face. And you're like, is there any other way we could warn them instead of shooting them in the face? I guess we could shoot in the air. It's like, <laughs> that was your second choice. Your first was shoot them in the face. And I felt like first, that's what yeah. this was, which is so he funny. Is a, he's a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. And this is a shoot first, ask questions, shoot further ahead. <laughs> that's what we came up with. So, so they're like, fine. So they shoot 
in front of this span and nothing has changed. No directional change, nothing. So then Picard was like, well, fuck. Okay, I guess we'll shoot him in the face. And they do. And nothing happens. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, crap. Now, the I feel like-, like, well, I'm out of ideas. That was, that's all I got. <laughs> Shoot him in the face is all I got. If that didn't stop him, I don't know what to do. I next. don't know. Q, we can tried you running help a- us? Yeah, we tried yeah. running away really fast. We tried running away really slow. <laughs> we tried shooting in the air. We tried shooting in the face. We're that's all I got. Now. Like running yeah. or shooting. We have Everybody no other go to your here. quarters and make some peace because we've got seven hours to <laughs> count down before we hit this string. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> about it. I don't know what else to say. So- <laughs> Deanna, Deanna is packing up her office and with the coolest Brooks. looking pads ever. Did you oh see? Oh my god, just stacks of pads and a really cool little it's briefcase. So cool. So fucking cool. I want everything in that office. Agreed. So she's packing up her office when Ensign Brooke comes by and she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I meant to cancel our appointment. I've actually resigned as ship's counselor. I've lost my empathic abilities. I can't really. Uh. And Ensign Brooks is like, No, you may not have empathic abilities, but you used your instinct to work with Ensign Brooks whose first name I think is Janet. And and Janet's like, you used your instinct and you helped. Like you may not have this empathic ability right now Mm -hmm. or anymore, Mm -hmm. but you still helped me a lot because what we had kind of skipped over was there was a second session where Janet was like, oh my God, guess what? I like cried my eyes out last night and I woke up feeling so much better and I've done it. I've done grief. I'm healed. Again, Janet has missed the mark by about a mile and a half. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and, and, and she's missed it by a cosmic string length. (laughs) (laughs) There's one micron and also seven enterprises wide for some (laughs) reason. If you really missed it by a cosmic strings width, then that's actually very, very close. But by the way that they visually represent it, you're off by about two star systems. God damn it. So <laughs> the shit that comes out of my mouth, I swear to God. It's so, so great. So great. <laughs> thanks. Um, but, you know, Troy had said like, look, I may not be able to help you very much. I've lost my empathic abilities. Right. And this is when Janet's like, well, I cried last night and I woke up feeling better. So I've gotten all my grief out, which I think in this day and age, still people think if you mm-hmm. break down and you have a good cry, everything is better afterwards. And it's like, no, no, that is true to a certain mm-hmm. extent. After you're done with that one cry, that does not mean that like everything is healed now. Like mm-hmm. it's probably going to take a lot of cries to get past whatever it is that you're dealing with. So you know, Troy had said, like, I don't have my empathic sense, so I can't sense if you're being truthful or not. But what I can tell you is that doesn't kind of sound right. That yeah, she said right. one night of crying is not going to erase months of denial. Yeah. And she and she and Janet says, well, you're I'm so telling wrong. you. Yeah, she says, well, I'm telling you it did. It absolutely did. And you are wrong, Troy. You are just so completely wrong. Yeah. She's like, and let's she get says, some more people in here to say, to say the word wrong again. Like yes. you are dead wrong. And you she says it in the, in the like most chipper, like upbeat way. You are completely 100% totally <laughs> like, wrong. Are you wrong? Yeah. So wrong. You could be more wrong. Poor Troy is already feeling like maybe I'm not doing this well. And then to hear that, she's just like, no, okay. And that was kind of the final nail in the coffin that made her quit. So it now really as Ensign Brooks is coming back and she's like, remember our last session? That's why I'm quitting because I can't help you. I was so wrong with what you're feeling. And Ensign Brooks is like, no, no, no. You were actually right. I was still in denial. I you're wrong about how happened. wrong you yeah. were. I was I wrong. Was wrong. Mm-hmm. And Troy's like, stop saying wrong. Okay. <laughs> stop saying the word wrong. It's very triggering. Uh-huh. Her word cloud for that day would just be wrong in yep. like 1000 point font. Yep. Yeah. So she, she does talk to her and she's like, I, I was doing it again, though. I was in denial again. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you use your instinct 
And it was really helpful. Like you use your instinct and like your years of training and you actually really helped me a lot. And now I kind of have a better sense of like, I'm just kind of living one day at a time, processing the grief and the loss of my husband, like, which makes sense. Um, so Picard has to call Troy and he's like, look, we have like six and a half hours mm-hmm. left before we're destroyed. I know that despite the loss of your empathic ability, you're still the best person for the job, which sounded a lot like future imperfect from two weeks ago. Remember where they're like Riker, despite the fact that you have no memory of the last 16 years, you're still the best person for the job to negotiate this treaty that you have no memory of. It's like, right. And we're like, that can't be right. That doesn't (laughs) check out. He's wrong. Right. But in this case, he was actually right. Where it's like, yeah, you, everybody has tried everything. We tried Jordy's method, which is running away. We tried Worf's method, which is shooting. Now we need to try your method because Riker is over here just like, you know, being Captain Morgan all over all the comms and stuff, but like Mm -hmm. not actually giving us anything. And so Troy and Data start talking and she's like, I'm sorry. I just feel really lost without my instinct. Like, right. Which I love this conversation because, um, and at this point, like, for some reason, there were five hours before destruction when Troy talked to Picard and he said, I want you to go brainstorm with Data. Mm-hmm. Now she's in the room brainstorming with Data and there's one hour left. So it took her four hours to get over to the observation lounge. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> Is that, she had a I lot of packing catch, to do. I did not catch that at all. Did I she thought that. I was like, her pads and put them all back on the yeah, shelf. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? Because it's like, well, we have one hour left and they literally just started their conversation. So what see, was going on these last I four hours? I see a deleted scenes of, of data standing in the observation lounge, looking at the doors, waiting for her. And we With see her music like playing. Yes. And she is, she's eating a chocolate sundae and then she's packing and then changing her outfit and then brushing her hair and then unpacking. Yes. And then like, how, and then I walking. feel like this is like a lower decks episode. That's they, what, that that's what I thought. Yep. In my mind, I saw counselor Troy and data, but cartoon as lower decks. Yeah. And then she's like popping into transporter rooms to be like, Hey, what's going on in here? <laughs> and then somebody is like, aren't you supposed to be in the observation lounge? She's like, Oh shit. That's right. And yeah, it's been four hours. Why? And the ship is going to be destroyed in one. Yeah. So at this point we have one <laughs> hour left and Troy and data are brainstorming what they could do. And Troy did not catch that at all. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Huh, what? And so Troy's, you know, Troy's it's saying like, like 30 feet apart, like the yeah, ready room it's and the like in the lounge. next, yeah, it's that next door on the other side of the bridge. It's right there. <laughs> um, so I don't know what was, she took the long way. She took the Jeffrey's tubes to get there, but, um, <laughs> They're talking like and passing by the nacelles and shit. <laughs> like really like, Oh, Hey, Jordy, don't mind me. <laughs> All right. The wheels are coming off now <laughs> as it usually does when yeah. we talk track. So they're talking and data is just like, you know, and I love that she's talking to data because everything she's complaining about all the other humans have been like, you will adapt. You will manage. Like you will find another way. There is hope. There's a future for you. Don't give up. Like, being very positive, which I would imagine if I lost an arm or a leg or something like that, that's what people around me would say too. It's yes, like, you're going to, yeah. I know you're mad and you just want to be mad for a while, but eventually you will adapt and everything else. Yeah. Data, on the other hand, will never adapt and he can never understand. So I love that she's complaining to him about stuff that he wishes he could complain about, right? She's just like, I've lost my empathic ability and I don't have, you know, I can't, I don't know how to draw on my human instincts. And he's like, well, since I don't have any human instincts, I can't guide you. I don't know either. Mm-hmm. And I just thought like, you're complaining about a loss of an ability that's still light years beyond what data is capable of Yeah, and his goal to be human. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit kind of like that old saying of like, I, I pitied the man with no shoes until I met the man with no feet or something like that. Yes. Not yes, saying yes. Like I, I was complaining because I didn't have shoes and then I yeah, met a man with no yeah. feet and I was like, okay, yeah. well, 
Uh, it could yes. be worse. And that's not how this episode, that's not how this scene is written. It's not written as like, Troy, you should feel good about what you still have. It's not like that. But I just thought that when I was watching, like, wow, like this is a perfect person to talk to because data is not going to give you any platitudes because he doesn't yeah. even know them and they don't mean anything to him. He's just going to listen to you and be like, yeah, same. Data is the same. last person I expected her to be talking to throughout this episode, but he's actually the perfect person to talk with her about mm-hmm. this, especially as, after she spent four hours getting to the operation. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Troy, wasting a bunch of time. But she does say like, I feel like all I have is instinct. And even like my instinct doesn't feel like it's working. But then she was like, wait a minute. What if these life forms are just instinctual, like a moth to a flame? She did say like horses have been known to run into burning barns, which yeah. I always thought they ran out of, but I didn't, if anybody Maybe they, knows. They run out of it when they're in it, when it catches fire, but if yeah. it catches fire and they're on the outside, that's so interesting. But it does, my friend was telling me, cause he used to work at medieval times that the horses will run into their stables when they, because they're, they're prey. Yes. So being in a nice little confined space is yes. like safety. Yes. So when they feel scared or, you know, tired or whatever, mm-hmm. they'll run into their area. So oh. I guess I could understand that if the barn is on fire and that scares them, they might run into their Because room they want to go into their stall. To feel, yeah, run into their stall to like be safe. And so, That's but I didn't, but I honestly didn't know that horses ran into burning barns. I like, I never heard that. That but. is interesting. For those of you who don't know, medieval times is like, um, it's like an amusement park dinner theater show where mm-hmm. there's like horses and people dress up as knights and they have like fake battles and you can eat a bunch of greasy food with your hands. And it's like a great time when you're a kid. Yeah, and then I took my niece and nephew there when I was like an adult and I was like, oh, this is like not awesome. However, however, as a kid, I was like, oh my God. Cause then you get, you get to sit in like colored areas. So then like, if you're in the red area, then you cheer for the red knight and you boo for like all the other ones, the yellow night or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was really, really fun. Yeah. It's I never, fun. I never knew anybody who ever worked there. I always wondered about that. Cause like animal husbandry and everything is like, has to be such a big part of your job. I never, anyway. Yeah. I, this was just totally random. A friend of mine was like, oh yeah, I used to work there. And it was like, what you, who, yeah. It, just who many, works at a fucking nights of the round table dinner show. Like, I mean, the dinner show, the dinner show was great. I think he gave yeah. lots of children happiness. So that was a good call good. on him for however long he worked there. But um, as she's talking and explaining this to data, the reason she's explaining it is because data's like, he says, I assumed that they didn't know that they're moving towards the string, that it's just pulling them in with the gravitational pull. They're mm-hmm. unaware that it's dangerous. They don't realize it. And Troy's like, why do you think they wouldn't realize it's dangerous? And he's just like, no, no living creature would actively put themselves in harm's way. They just wouldn't do it. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. And that's when Troy says moths fly into flames all the time. They're drawn to it and it actually hurts them and can kill them. It's a stimulus. Yeah, it's a stimulus response. Yeah, it's a stimulus response that's not, it's beyond, um, well, is this safe or not safe? It's just, there's a a thing there and I want to go see what that thing is. And oh, that thing kills you, right? So then Data's like, oh, shoot. This whole time Mm -hmm. I've been thinking that they just were unaware, but what if they are, it's just a thing in space and they're like, cool, a thing in space and they're all running towards it. Now we're kind of screwed. Um, and so that gets Troy on this track of like, maybe it's just instincts. And if it is just instincts and they're just moving towards a flame, maybe we can make another flame, you know, a, a simulated flame that's going to allow them to stop dragging us towards the string. So long enough for us to escape, which I yes. thought was a genius idea. Absolutely. And so they end up simulating the harmonics of the string and they're like, maybe the beings will shift their direction. And as they do, the enterprise could break free. It'll kind of break that 
bond that mm-hmm. they have or the field and they can break three and they end up beginning using this harmonic resonance. They use the deflector shield. And at this point we have three minutes by the way. Yeah. Um, and so they begin the harmonic resonance and they're like, it's not quite enough. Let's turn up the volume and they do. And the sound effect, I don't know how the, you know, audio sound effect department did this, but it sounded so cool. And I totally believed it. It was like this, like very jerky mm-hmm. dissonant kind of sound. It was really cool. And so the beings start to shift away from the cosmic fragment. And as that change happens, the enterprise is finally able to break free. And at this point, there were three seconds when they break free. Yes. And they break free and, and the two-dimensional beings. You guys can't up- see me because you're listening, but I'm rolling my eyes at that. Yes. She's that rolling her eyes hard. so unnecessary. We had five hours that went down to one hour to three minutes to three seconds. The yes. Y'all could have done this four and a half hours ago. It doesn't need to be so down to the wire. <laughs> but Sorry. that's what the fun is. Well, can you imagine from the show where they're like, what if we try this? Oh, it worked. <laughs> they tried cool. a bunch of things that didn't work. Yeah. I but don't that's know. What the show is like, it's always down to the wire. But anyway, they end up doing it at the last second because it's Star Trek. <laughs> and the beings shift away from the string and that enables the enterprise to get away. And as the enterprise gets away, they turn off their deflector shield and the beings shift back into the string. Mm -hmm. Now, as they're going back into the string and being like destroyed or whatever the fuck, Troy kind of collapses and she's like, oh my God, my empathic abilities are back. And she's able to sense that the two dimensional beings, they wanted to be there. The string does not damage them because they're not three dimensional beings. Mm -hmm. They're flat. So gravitational pull is meaningless to them. Right. It's like the, the like crushing gravitational, they can't um, be crushed. The crushing gravity. Yes. The crushing gravity of the, of the string, they can't be crushed. It's like trying to crush a flat piece of paper flatter, like nothing happens. So Troy is back. The beings are where they wanted to be. And then Deanna does a shipwide apology tour to apologize to Beverly and then to Will and then to fucking Guinan and then to Picard. And then she calls up, you know, Wesley and apologizes to him because she probably sent fired off an angry email or something. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And then all is well. And that's the end of our episode. (sighs) Final thoughts. My final thought was I'm going to give this episode a skip in the future. It just did not resonate with me. I love that there was depth for Troy. Like this being a Troy episode, this did her, this did right by her because the other Troy heavy episodes were her just being like manipulated by skeezy men, just like, just, or like being, you know, a pledge to marry from childhood to some random super hot doctor who was in love with someone else or like being kidnapped by Ferengi with her mom, like just weird episodes. And at least this one was legit. It made her a three-dimensional person. She had unlike, depth. unlike the floating beings who had no depth whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> that was a nice juxtaposition there. They Thank made you. her three-dimensional for a change because they introduced a two-dimensional being so they could yes. actually mix it up, differentiate. Um, so I do think it was a good Troy episode, but I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't connect with it. So I, I'm probably going to give it a skip in the future, but overall, I'm going to say good job writers Thank you for making Troy more than a piece of paper. Yes. I think that you're absolutely right. This episode, it's slightly ironic that Troy had depth while these creatures had no depth whatsoever, literally. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that I really, really like what we, what we see as like going through the stages of loss or being emotional, we, you know, we're like, oh, she's being very human, which is ironic as well, because she had lost her beta Z side and really mm-hmm. truly was human. And mm-hmm. this is the first time we see her being just a real human. And what any of us would have experienced, I would have stormed over to 
to Beverly and yelled at her for not coming to me faster, even though I know that wouldn't have made a lick of difference in like the loss of my abilities. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I think that this is a, it's, this is so far, so far for me, the best Troy episode, because she's a real person, Mm -hmm. totally a real person. Um, I like that she is snappy with her peers, which we never see, you know, um, according and especially to her too. She's yeah, not really a snappy, bite your head she's off. She's not a snappy person. person. You know, Ensign Rowe is a snappy person, but, mm-hmm. but Deanna, not so much. Um, I love the science fiction of this. I love two dimensional beings. I mm-hmm. love being trapped in their wake. I love the cosmic string. I mm-hmm. don't like how they said it was super narrow, but it was really very wide. <laughs> so whatever the fuck with that. But like that aside, I really, really like this episode. So next week, we are talking a data-heavy episode, Cherie. So that should be fun. We're going to be talking Season 4, Episode 11, Data's Day. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetmgpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.